the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along for a Monday edition of The Ride Home. Kath, it's good to see you as well. I see Thank you're you. all bundled up here in the studio in the <laughs> I spare gotta room. i got to be honest. It was cold today. I mean, mm-hmm. when the sun was out, it was nice. But right now, the sun is not out. Mm-hmm. And it just seems to be very cold in my spare room. Yeah, chilly, chilly mm-hmm. is the word here. I, I, got a little like fle- I got a little fleece thing happening. Yeah, feels good, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to like, why don't we do like the show someday, like, you know, the fire pit edition of The Ride Home? Oh, great. So we do it outside? Like yeah. I broadcast from outside? Oh, that yeah. wouldn't be that wouldn't be any problem electricity-wise. <laughs> just tell you to get a long extension cord. Like I was cord. able to set up this spare room studio in a hot minute. <laughs> I mean, you know, become like man on the street or just man in the woods. Right. Right? Lady in the woods. Okay. Right. That's a whole other thing there. Okay. Anyway, let, let's uh, switch forward because it is Monday and it is the four o'clock hour. Let us go to the top four at four. All right, John, number one, President Trump continues his treatment at Walter Reed Medical Center today. Several reports have him transitioning back to the White House as early as this afternoon. But as of now, the president still remains hospitalized. Number two, a number of other prominent lawmakers and White House staffers have also tested positive for the coronavirus, including White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, and White House advisor Kellyanne Conway. Number three, U.S. Senator Pat Toomey, a Lehigh Valley Republican, announced today he will call it quits in Pennsylvania in 2022 after a combined total of 18 years in Congress. Whoa. And number four, Pitt, my alma mater, lost another wretchedly bad game they were supposed to win. I watched it. It's just a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. The nightmare unfolded at Heinz Field, and I just can't anymore. I, I couldn't think. believe it. I just I, I tuned in at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, come on, Pitt, make it to four and zero. Let's go." Yeah. I thought they had it. Of I mean, even like do. you know, four minutes out. How do you not out. drag out the time? How do you not know. drag out the clock? A minute when you're 50. going down for that touch. Don't even. I, I don't can't. Know. Also, no Steeler game yesterday due to the Tennessee Titans COVID mm-hmm. outbreak, and the Pens put defenseman Jack Johnson, my friends on waivers we're jack johnson and that's it for the top four four all right let us take a break on this monday afternoon when we return we'll go to the white house every monday we start the show with with greg clugston srn news white house correspondent he'll give us an inside scoop of what's going on stick around for that WORD 
You're listening now, so we know you're a fan of the radio station. I am a big fan. And we want you to know that we appreciate you. I can be your number one fan. That's why we've developed the Word FM Fan Club. It's free to join, and once you do, you can take part in exclusive surveys and contests. Yeah, I love contests. Special offers. Great giveaways. Discounts. Freebies. I'd like to win one of these contests. Become a member today. Go to wordfm.com slash fan club and sign up. We're big fans. For those of us who are healthy, it's hard to imagine what it's like to be chronically sick. If you're over 50, you may be fine today, but tomorrow, different story. Chronic illness can literally claim your financial world overnight. And suddenly you're tens of thousands in debt, mailbox overflowing with bills, notifications, warnings, and you think Obamacare will help you sort it out? Good luck getting someone even to talk to. This is Kathy Emmons, and my friends at Marley Financial have a better solution. It's their non-Obamacare pro-life health plan. It gives you the power of a national PPO instantaneously, savings of 30 to 60% off Obamacare for those over 50, no funding for abortion, and always someone to help you. Call 724-884-1496. One client recently in the hospital for 11 days for a bowel obstruction, the hospital billed him over $56,000. Marley Financial's non-Obamacare plan paid the entire claim and put seven thousand dollars in his pocket there's no other plan like it anywhere and you can get it now call 724-884-1496 or visit marleyfg.com if you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown you're probably feeling some added pressures and even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call, and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call one 800 936-5496 That's 1-800-936-5496 We are limiting the number of people in the office. It's patients and staff members only. At Stock Family Dentistry, exceptional dentistry begins with safety. We look a little different. We have more gear on, hand sanitizing stations throughout the office, frequently disinfecting all common areas. We're even using a UV light. All of these precautions are put into place for our patient safety and our team member safety. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Question of the day is, what the heck is going on at the White House? Holy smokes. I mean, everybody's got COVID, it feels like. The tally just keeps on growing. The president, is he coming home from the hospital or not? We're going to go right to the source. Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, Tell us that you're safe and healthy. John, Kathy, hi. Yes, thankfully, I am safe and healthy as far as I know. I uh, had a a COVID-19 test negative result uh, last week before the first presidential debate, and I am scheduled to take another one tomorrow, and I'm hoping also, obviously, for a negative result. Right. And feeling fine. Feeling fine. Good. Excellent. Okay, great. Now, it seems to be a lot of other people aren't feeling fine. Um, Let's start with the president. It's been hard to kind of wade through the news reports over the weekend, Greg, to figure out what exactly is going on. What's the latest that you know? 
Well, the very latest is that President Trump is scheduled to return to the White House in about two and a half hours. He's going to leave Walter Reed Hospital um, at about 6.30 Eastern time. That was according to a tweet that he put out not too long ago. And then following the tweet, uh, his medical team uh, provided uh, an update on his condition. And much of it was the same that we heard yesterday and the day before. There were some um, minor updates, but essentially they feel like he has passed the criteria to discharge from the hospital, although they did not specify what that criteria are, and but then also said he has been fever-free for 72 hours. He is not out of the woods. Dr. Sean Conley, the White House physician, continues to use that phrase, um, and that would be true really for anybody, especially um, with the with the factors facing Donald Trump in terms of his age, um, being a male, and his weight. Those are factors that obviously are of concern. And so even though he's not out of the woods and they haven't said specifically when he would not be fully contagious or over being fully contagious, they are planning on moving him back to the White House because they feel that with the White House medical team there and the medical unit that is on staff 24-7 at the White House, that if there is a problem that uh, they could deal with that uh, before or instead of going back to the hospital. Right. So, Greg, you bring up a really interesting point because, I mean, I did not know this, although it would be kind of expected that on site at the White House, there is a medical team. And I'm sure it's almost hospital like to take care of the president's needs as he works through this uh, through the COVID. That's right. They do have a facility uh, right in the main building of the White House, and they have obviously the, the personal physician to president, who is the White House doctor and his staff. Uh, and people there. They obviously have a broader staff and resources at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, where the president has been for the last 72 hours. But again, they feel like he is um, feeling fine, and the mild symptoms that he was experiencing late last week, which included um, fever and fatigue and uh, a cough, have subsided enough for him to return to the White House. They have not explained or, or revealed exactly what the protocol will be at the White House once he returns. Is he going to be confined to the residence? Will he be allowed to work in the Oval Office? We don't know the answers to those questions just yet. Mm, okay. Greg Clugston with us, SRN News White House correspondent. Um, so the SUV drive-by that happened on Saturday, uh, tell us what you know about how that started and um, what its result was. Well, the result is um, mixed feelings. I think probably there are some people who, um, you know, support the president no matter what, and they they feel it was an appropriate measure. There are a lot of people, to be honest, that are scratching their heads, wondering if he is um, in a condition, a health condition enough to be required to be admitted as a patient at a hospital. Why is he interrupting that hospital stay to to leave uh, to uh, say hello to supporters? Now, the president did respond to criticism of that drive-by over the weekend. He did that on Twitter earlier today, and he said that uh, he would be accused by the media of being rude had he not done that. Um, I'm not sure what the basis of that statement is um, as being a member of the media. It it didn't even cross my mind as to whether he should leave the White House and acknowledge fans and supporters, but that's what he did. And the White House is, uh, and the White House doctors were being defensive when asked questions of was the president putting For example, the Secret Service and the driver and others in his close orbit at risk. 
uh, for doing that. And they say that uh, they followed the necessary protocols and had PPE on uh, available for everybody who was near the president. So they were downplaying any health risks there. Okay. So then, Greg, um, lots of, I guess, great unknowns, right? The president released, as you're saying, later today around 6, 630 uh, Eastern. And then uh, you would think he would continue to self-quarantine at the uh, residence at the White House. What about looking down the road at all? I mean, is there even the possibility that a second debate will take place? I mean, I guess nothing's off the table, right? Yes, that's right. And the, and the president's doctor was asked about that, Dr. Sean Conley, and he, he said, we'll, we'll have to wait and see when it comes to campaign travel and resuming normal activities that would take the president outside of the White House. So we don't know that. That's right. That's off the table right now in terms of, of, of what exactly the plan might be and what that might look like. We do know that um, uh, the, the orbit around the president and especially stemming from a week ago last weekend, the uh, Supreme Court announcement ceremony, um, that there were a lot of people in attendance there that have since uh, contracted con- uh, the coronavirus. And today, the latest person from the White House is the press secretary, Kaylee McEnany. She tested positive this morning after having received negative tests the last few days since the president and the first lady had positive test results. There are also two additional junior press office um, staffers who also tested positive this morning. So the White House is a bit of a hot zone right now. And there were there were three there were two senators, um, uh, the campaign manager for the Trump campaign, uh, former Governor Chris Christie, who had also helped with uh, the president's debate preparations last week. Uh, Kellyanne Conway, former White House advisor, they were all at the White House a week ago Saturday for that Supreme Court announcement, and they are among those who have all tested positive. Oh, so Greg, what does this mean for you and the rest of the press? I mean, maybe you don't even know that yet, but with that many people in the White House who've tested positive, I mean, are you guys really going to be going to work in the basement? Well, it's it's very concerning, first of all, um, and there are at least three members of the press corps who tested positive late last week after we learned of the president's diagnosis. Um, So it's obviously affecting everybody. uh, I shouldn't say affecting everybody. Uh, It is, um, it is a risk for everybody who is, who is going in there uh, despite, um, you know, despite having COVID-19 tests, they are the rapid tests that we, um, when we are tested, we do receive the results from the rapid test, which some will say are not as reliable as uh, the longer term uh, tests. Uh, but as of now, um, protocol and security measures and safety measures for the press corps have not changed over the last 48, 72 hours. Uh, we'll wait to see if they do change once the president is back in the building. But, for example, um, members of the press corps are encouraged not to be at the White House, not to be down in the basement where a lot of us have workspace and on, on the upper level of the press working area. And, Kathy, um we, we only get tested when we're in the pool rotation. When, when for example, oh. I'm a member, when I'm a radio representative in the pool uh, for my radio network colleagues, that will be the day that I personally show up and then will be tested. And so it's that group of 13 reporters and journalists that uh, get tested every day. It's not, it's not for every single person who walks in the building. I see. So, Greg, uh, talk to us about the First Lady. There's, of course, uh, a lot of concern about the president, but not people are, but no one's really talking about Melania and uh, her condition. Any uh, insight on that? 
The last that I remember um, hearing from Dr. Sean Conley at these weekend briefings, uh, these updates from Walter Reed, he was asked about the First Lady and said that she had a mild cough and that her symptoms were, were, were milder than what the president was experiencing. So we were led to believe that she, she did not have the fever that he experienced and the fatigue, uh, but was, she was said to have mild symptoms and was getting better. Um, we do know that their son, Barron, who obviously lives at the White House there, last we heard, he tested positive. What's interesting on these tests is the White House and the doctors are not revealing the date of the last negative test President Trump received prior to getting his positive result late on Thursday of last week. And that would help, obviously, with knowing who is in, you know, possibly exposed to the president, both members of the press and obviously those who work at the West Wing and any guests he may have interacted with. So those are still some open questions. Let's see. Greg, we're sorry that this has impacted your daily work so much. I mean, you know, when numbers were very high here in Pittsburgh, it was a concern for all of us when we were going out to the grocery store or when we were, you know, going to Home Depot or, you know, friends caring for parents, whatever it is. And I'm sorry that this is going to impact your daily life so much. Well, I appreciate that concern. And uh, yes, it is. It is a part of, you know, the reality that we're facing right now. Um, thankfully, it's not nearly as troublesome as what thousands of people are facing in terms of, uh, you know, receiving a, a positive result. Um, many are in the hospital. Um, it was noted by Dr. Sean Connolly, the White House physician, that the president has uh, a first-class medical team, um, you know, surrounding him and, and caring for him at the White House, as it should be for the president of the United States. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's also an acknowledgement that not everybody in this country let alone around the world, you know, have that kind of care at their disposal. Um, and so there are a lot of people, uh, a lot of people who are, are, are more deeply affected than I am, but I do appreciate that sentiment. And obviously it's still concerning to all of us who, who do have to uh, work and cover this president and this White House, given what the reality on the ground is right now. Yes. Greg Cluxton, SRN News White House correspondent. So, Greg, speaking of coverage, uh, you'll be uh, at the next vice pre- at the first vice presidential debate, the only vice presidential debate, mm-hmm. preparing for that. Talk to us about that, about the particulars, and if the expectations, what they might be. Yes, I'll be traveling to Salt Lake City tomorrow morning uh, in preparation for the debate on Wednesday night between Vice President Pence and Senator Kamala Harris. Uh, it is still a go. That was a question mark late last week after the the positive COVID result by the president. People were wondering if Vice President Pence uh, would need to quarantine or isolate and whether that would affect his ability to go to the debate. But he has been given the uh, the all clear to uh, continue his his activities as normal. In fact, he is flying uh, is about to leave uh, Andrews Air Force Base right now. If he hasn't already left in just the last few minutes, was expected to uh, just give some brief remarks um, two reporters there before flying to Salt Lake here this evening. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what he, he said. But um, what's interesting is that um, there's a lot more of attention perhaps going into the vice presidential debate now uh, than in previous election cycles, simply because of the health of the president right now and what we're all talking about. Right. Okay. So I wonder if you know yet if there are any additional restrictions on who's in the room. I mean, there was some confusion at the at the last presidential debate about you know how many people were actually tested because you know representatives of both of the of the presidential team and and Biden's team were on the honor system and some of them hadn't gotten tested before. I mean, what what's the is there going to be a different protocol for Wednesday? 
Yeah, I have not seen um, an updated protocol uh, of that. I, I do know that as, as members of the news media, we are required uh, to be tested on site uh, the day before, at least the day before, uh, which is what I'll be doing tomorrow. Uh, and that goes for the majority, if not all of the members of, of the audience. It will be a, a smaller audience again, like we, like we witnessed last week. Um, I think there were only 75 or 80 people there in the room for the presidential debate. Uh, but whether or not there are those tighter restrictions and making sure that literally everybody who had, uh, who is in the room has been tested, we'll have to wait and see. I think there was also discussion about moving the lecterns um, that the uh, two candidates will be uh, standing behind uh, farther apart on the stage just to social distance even further than the recommended six feet. So there will be a few adjustments like that, and it will be a, 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 the, the same format as we saw last week in terms of it being a 90-minute debate broken down into uh, various 15-minute categories on various topics. I see. So, Greg, uh, as the um, debate unfolds, will you be in the room proper? I believe I'll be in the media filing center, which, which will be in an adjacent room. So we'll, we will have large screen TVs in a sense like you watching on the TV, uh, but we are there uh, very close and would have uh, presumably access to uh, members of, of the campaigns should we need to ask some questions and get some follow-ups. Okay. Well, listen, Greg, um, our best to you, and Always. I'm sorry about this uncertainty that you're experiencing, um, but as you say, there are people all across the nation who have experienced this and who are going through it even now, so uh, you're in good company, though difficult company. So, Greg, take care of yourself. Yes, Greg. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. John, appreciate it. Have a great week. And you as well. God bless you. Greg Clugston, he does excellent work for SRN News, where he is the White House correspondent. Information about Greg, srnnews.com, wordfm.com. Take a break. Come back. We're just getting underway. The Monday edition of The Ride Home here on Word FM. Today's forecast calls for clear skies, slight winds coming out of the northeast, and customized car insurance from Liberty Mutual, so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Let's say you've decided to build a bicycle from scratch. Sounds like an impossible project for my skills, but let's say you've got the skills and you're building this bike, and I offer you an advantage, a special tool that would help you build the bike faster while saving you legitimate money. My guess is you'd say, bring it on. If you wouldn't, well, then this commercial isn't going to make much sense. My name is Ryan. I'm from United Faith Mortgage, and we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is lucky to have a direct lender advantage. Our company is set up to use its own money and make its own lending decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And often, this advantage allows us to get your refinance or new home loan done faster and get you a better rate, which saves you monthly and lifelong money. Rates are historically low. Now is the time to see how our special tool might work for you. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. This is called the ugly truth about timeshares. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, well, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, founder and CEO of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sounds crazy, right? 
Well, the crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-881-4242. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming community. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. This evening, low 40, mostly sunny tomorrow, high 67, and partly cloudy skies Tuesday evening, low tomorrow night, 52. Wednesday will be sunny to partly cloudy and breezy, with a high of 73. Thursday and Friday, both mostly sunny skies, high Thursday, 63, Friday, 67. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Holly Holdren. Remember when our kids were little, we discovered, you know, this is pre-streaming. We discovered David Attenborough and his documentaries, his nature documentaries, the Life series. And, you Planet know, for Earth. Planet Earth, which we also mm-hmm. loved. Blue Planet. I mean, yep. Just, I mean, one after another. He's produced how many? 20, 25 oh, different many. documentaries. Yeah. He's fabulous. Truly is. And uh, now David Attenborough, at the ripe age of 94. Wow. His newest documentary called A Life on Our Planet, uh, it premieres on Netflix starting today. And I, I saw just a brief trailer for it, and it looks to be lovely. And apparently, um, it's a, a warning sign from a man who 60 years ago, when he started doing this, air travel was essentially you know brand new, continental air travel. So he goes back in, in this film... Uh, a life on our planet. He shows himself from 60 years ago, 34 wow. years old and does this. This is me in this jungle. And here I am in there. And, but the film, the trailer that I saw shows him standing not too far from the uh, Chernobyl nuclear plant. And he sort of likens what's happening globally, environmentally with Chernobyl. And so I can't wait to see it because what I do just mean? think because of, cl- because of climate change, because of climate change. Yeah. Okay. So I look forward to seeing this and, you know, seeing da- if anybody can speak about the planet with authority, I, I believe it's David Attenborough and uh, he's got 60 years to back it up. And certainly he's got tons and tons of incredible footage and a, a large group of scientific friends. So I look forward to seeing it premieres today on Netflix. I'm slightly concerned. You are concerned. Still- I know you're still a skeptic. I'm not. As, I'm not. Now you are. You're a skeptic. Okay. I am a little bit of a skeptic. I, 
I don't I'm a get- tiny skeptic. This is what I'm skeptical about. Mm. You know, I've said, I've said this a thousand times on the air. What I'm skeptical about is that every single environmental thing, whether it's a volcano, whether it's a hurricane, or whether it's a little rain you got in July, yeah. someone will blame on climate change. I get that. Okay? This and is we've the age had we all in. of those things before. I just think it's a convenient repository for people to try to change monetary policy from gigantic countries like the United States. Right, right. Like, and that's it. That's it. That There's a reason to be skeptical okay. about that, right? Okay. I do. So I'm I do. definitely skeptical about that. The Greta Thurberg thing was so over the top ridiculous that I thought of the politics of climate change is good reason to be skeptical about that. Okay, so the other reason then to be skeptical <laughs> is just that, John. Yeah. I am afraid to watch a. Do- I'm not afraid, but I'm hesitant to watch a documentary that's going to be preachy alarmism for two hours i don't know if that's that's the case i hope that's not the case i'm gonna watch it because i love him i watch it too because i love him as well right i think so of course i feel like he's certainly you know built up enough capital that we should get yeah he has yeah burrow for goodness sake right yeah but i'm just trying to be honest about who i am i get it And and i share some degree of your skepticism but I, I do believe that, you know, the irrefutable truth of what we're seeing here, I do believe that. Uh, how it rolls out and all the different politics involved, that's a whole other story. But there's something to be said, Kath, with what's going on. Okay. Maybe if we lived in California, you would tune, you would think a little bit different. No, we I are would, what, because, of the, because of the fires? Yeah. yeah. But, okay. There have been forest fires. They've always been forest fires. I know, but there's it's a different type of forest fire. It's a different range of forest fire. There's, there's a lot more of them. I yeah, know, but there's no there's no indication that I that know, is because of I climate know. change. This forest, is like politics. Yeah, it is. You're not going to change my mind. I'm not right. going to change your okay. mind. Okay. You're going to leave a comment section somewhere on my Facebook page, and I'll respond with a comment section on your Facebook page, and yep. neither of us will feel good about it. No, no, but I'm going to continue okay. posting things on your page until you finally agree with me, which will never happen, and I will never stop. <laughs> and that's where we are in 2020. I'm going to ask Carl Truman what he thinks next. I'll tell you uh, that right now. Oh, no. Okay, Don't drag right. him into the climate change thing. Yeah, right. I'm, not, I'm actually not going to because uh, Carl Truman, who's up next, is not going to talk about climate change. He's going to talk about Amy Coney Barrett. So it's the Supreme Court next, the uh, perhaps COVID-19 edition on the ride home. Perhaps. 101.5 WORD. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, Word FM goes with you. That's because we're no longer trapped inside a radio. We're now everywhere you are. And you carry us around in your pocket. We're ubiquitous. There's an app for that, right? On TuneIn, on iHeart, on our own app, on WordFM.com. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. On your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 101.5 WORD. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company and all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsarouspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. 
You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. My name is Bernadette, and I am a parishioner at St. Joseph's on the Brandywine. Joe Biden has been part of our parish for more than 40 years. Our sons became friends when they were in first grade, and ever since, I've known Joe and the entire Biden family. Even now, when Joe's back home, we see him at Mass on Sunday. You can tell how important Joe's faith is to him. It's what motivates everything. Joe's beliefs, his values, the kind of president Joe would be. Joe Biden knows what it means to be your brother's keeper, to care for those around you and lift up those who are suffering. Their values Joe learned from his mom and dad and from the nuns who taught Joe his Catholic faith. That's Joe Biden, a man guided by faith. I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Biden for president. This is Albert Butler with another word about the upcoming election. There is so much at stake. We might not be able to vote as conveniently as we have voted before, but that just puts on Christian citizens the responsibility to work even harder to make sure that we vote and that our vote counts. Too much is at stake to sit this election out. So, whatever it takes, go vote. Well, despite what's going on at the White House with COVID, the hearings to bring Amy Comey Barrett to the Supreme Court are still proceeding forward. And here to talk to us about that from Grove City College, Carl Truman. Carl writes regularly for First Things, co-hosts a weekly podcast, The Mortification of Spin for the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Carl's also an ordained minister in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Carl, welcome back to the show. It's great to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, nice to have you back, Carl. Carl, listen, I am anything but a legal scholar, but I talk often on the air about how really accessible it is if you want to just educate yourself about what the Supreme Court does and what their positions are and what their rulings are. They have a great website. It's really, you know, user-friendly. You can go in and the the positions that people have are actually much easier to understand um, than you might think. Um, Amy Coney Barrett is the next person who has been nominated to take that ninth spot or seventh spot that belonged to um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. What do we know about Amy Coney Barrett? Well, we know quite a lot after the all the kerfuffle of the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, she's uh, already a federal judge um, and she was a uh, a clerk for Antonin Scalia. She is, I think, in terms of her legal philosophy, committed to what they call originalism. She's also a devout Roman Catholic, belongs to a charismatic group within the, the Roman Catholic Church, and certainly as a person seems rather delightful. She has a lovely family. She's adopted a couple of children, I think, from Haiti. Uh, she seems just the kind of person that one would want holding public office uh, in the United States. Good. But, you know, in the midst of all this, Carl, it it is still a surprise that she is being attacked, Amy Comey Barrett, for uh, adopting children from overseas. Whenever that first sort of raised its head, I was like, really? We've reached this point where we're attacking people for adopting children. 
Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's another story, of course, that, that ties into the, the, the current rise of critical race theory within our culture. Uh, and that particular instance you're pointing to, uh, when, I, when I saw that, uh, I was reminded of the bits in the Bible that talk about you know, calling evil good and good evil. Uh, we're now in a situation where somebody who's really generously given her heart to, to two children who need, uh, you know, need a home, need love, need food, need shelter, the basics of life, where now apparently that is regarded as, uh, as a depraved act of white supremacy. That says something deeply disturbing about the, certainly the culture of the, of the elite within the United States at the moment. Surely mm-hmm. does. How about let's look back on uh, her uh, nomination or her um, confirmation hearing before the Senate. Was that two years ago? Maybe when Dianne Feinstein was talking about her Catholic faith and said that she's not just Catholic, but the Catholic uh, dogma lives loudly within her. Yes, it was great. <laughs> A very Isn't memorable a statement, time? I thought. I, God, I, I, some of my Catholic friends had mugs and T-shirts with that uh, <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, I mean, again, that's very, that speaks very eloquently of the nature of, of politics in the United States at the moment. And, of course, as was pointed out at the time, uh, it's arguably uh, uh, unconstitutional. Um, the, the American Constitution, I think it's Article 6, uh, really precludes any religious test for holding uh, uh, public office. So to go after somebody for perish the thought, taking their religion seriously, uh, is not only, I think, personally unpleasant, but also arguably unconstitutional as a move. Uh, Religion should not be applied as a test of somebody's competence for holding uh, political office in the United States. Yes. So, Carl... As contentious as the Brett Kavanaugh hearings were, I mean, that was off the charts angry. Uh, Whenever I'm reading along and I'm trying to read between the lines about Amy Coney Barrett, um, it seems as though this is going to happen, that, you know, the hearings will be held and the probability is that she will be moved forward to the Supreme Court. What's your gut feeling? It certainly looks that way. I mean, I, I'm not a, in no way an expert at all on Senate procedure and, and timelines for these things, but it looks as if the Republicans have the votes. And I presume if they have the votes, there's ultimately nothing the, the Democrats can do to, uh, to stop this scenario unfolding in the way that uh, the president has, has outlined it should. Yes. So it's surprising, I think, because, you know, the president, of course, President Trump has put uh, other Supreme Court justices on the court. And, you know, we've been told, well, we're now clearly a conservative court, but things don't always work out the way that we see them. I mean, the recent rulings, the past several rulings have not been necessarily pro-conservative all the way. So this essentially, I guess, Amy Coney Barrett uh, on the court would essentially seal the deal as a true conservative court for maybe decades, if not generations? Well, perhaps. I mean, there are two things I, uh, I would want to, to, to inject to sort of qualifiers on that. First of all, there's this story that if, President, uh, if Joe Biden wins the presidency, the, the Democrats might uh, attempt to flood 
the, the Supreme Court. I believe it's the case that there's nothing written in stone, that there can only be nine justices. That's more convention than, uh, than, than actually required. So that's possible. Whether, whether uh, a Democratic president would do that, what the PR consequences would be, I don't know. The other thing is that, as we saw with... Uh, uh, the Bostock ruling uh, recently, which was authored by uh, Justice Gorsuch, who was a Trump appointee and is a conservative. Uh, conservative legal philosophy doesn't always translate into conservative political decisions in terms of uh, the interpretation and application of the Constitution. So I would not necessarily see the addition of, a, of another conservative person in terms of their private opinions and perhaps in terms of their originalist philosophy of, of legal interpretation as necessarily meaning that Republicans uh, are going to get everything their own way at the, at the Supreme Court. Uh, one of the things that always strikes me about somebody like uh, Antonin Scalia, for example, and obviously with, with Gorsuch now, is that uh, uh, good lawyers will interpret the law rather than simply try to read their politics into it. So one would hope that uh, anybody appointed to the Supreme Court would, would try to follow that as a basic principle. There's no guarantee how people are going to vote. I mean, look at how long, you know, we've been alive and we've been following Supreme Court nominees. They all, I mean, they're people and they surprise us. Yeah, um, Anthony Kennedy, of course, is a great example of yeah. that. I think mm -hmm. he was a Reagan, was he a Reagan appointee? Yes. Uh, and really, from a conservative political point of view, did nothing but cause mischief from uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey in the early 90s onwards. Um, <laughs> a tremendously disappointing figure from a card-carrying conservative perspective, I think. Or what about John Roberts at the Affordable Care Act? I mean, it's just you never know what's going to happen. Um, I, I mean, I'm at, Carl, I'm in favor of intelligent people um, who, have a, who have a distinguished track record, like Amy Coney Barrett, being approved to the court. And I just lament these days when it just has to come down to, you know, a party line vote. And I think back to, you know, I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think two people yeah. voted against her. Uh, it's, I don't know. I just think we're, we're so much the worse for it. Well, and I think there you're pointing to a, a much bigger and more concerning issue within the American political landscape, and that is that the, the big political questions are now really being punted to the Supreme Court, and they're going through the judicial branch rather than the legislative branch. Right. So, for example, gay marriage is decided effectively by one person. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that when controversial decisions on those kind of issues are legislated by a parliament or by a senate, there's a sense in which as, as being part of a democracy, you, know, you win some, you lose some, you accept when you lose, and you, and you still consider yourself to be part of the bigger picture. When these uh, issues get punted to the, the judicial branch, it can really stick in your throat when five people essentially... Right. Uh, pass legislation that affects everybody. Right. And nobody's elected these people directly. So that, I think, points to a much deeper problem in American politics and that the court now is so absolutely uh, politicized. Right. And it's not just it's not just a, a majority who would decide something, but it's either five, seven or the full nine who are Ivy League educated. They're from similar backgrounds. Um, they're from similar places in America. Yeah, I mean, the... 
the Supreme Court was never meant to be representative in that sense. The Supreme Court is there to interpret and apply the Constitution. It's not meant to represent the people. It's really meant to represent the Constitution, uh, I would say. And so the situation we have now is one where you could put huge strain, I think, on the social fabric uh, and the political fabric of the nation by by placing such hot-button issues in the hands of a, of a handful of people. Mm-hmm. Right, which I think is what we're going to see here, right, in the, in the near future. I mean, it's, I mean, it's already, I think that the people believe, of course, that there is, there's more importance in the Supreme Court nominations and the lay of the court itself, as opposed to the power of the presidency, that the, what the Supreme Court does in many ways sort of supersedes what the president does. I think so. I and mean, when you look at the Bostock ruling, which has dramatic implications, not just for employment law, but across the board, uh, that's an issue that's, that, that will affect us all at some point. And yet it's not being legislated by the legislative branch. It's simply being determined by, by the court. It's, it's a very problematic moment we live in, and I'm not quite sure what the answer is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. Dr. Carl Truman with us, Department of Biblical and Religious Studies at Grove City College. Carl, I want to go back to the conversation that we had at the start about Amy Coney Barrett's uh, religious background and the, the People of Praise group that she was a part of. This has given me a lot of pause. In fact, John and I have talked about it off the air a number of times. We might have talked about it on the air, too. I can't quite remember. But um, listening to how people who are unchurched look at the ways that that organization was described, um, it makes it sound cultish or overbearing or, you know, threatening. It was even likened to like The Handmaid's Tale, which was absolute craziness. Um, But it does make me think that we're talking about different vocabularies. You know, those of us who are involved in church life, when we hear words like ruling elder, you know, that's not like super scary, you know, it's not like someone's practicing the patriarchy around me, right? But when you're unfamiliar with those terms, it sounds like, you know, a whole different, you know, subculture is happening. Yes, and that's understandable because we do live in a world now where, you know, even basic Bible stories are no longer common currency of, of people's imaginations. So the, the sort of the finer details or, or the basic shape of, of church polity is going to be very alien. And when you combine that with... You, know, you, you don't have to go to the handmaid's tale when you combine that with the, the well-attested uh, cases of, of child sex abuse, particularly in the Catholic Church, but also in Protestantism and evangelicalism as well. Uh, you're quite correct in saying that, that people are disturbed when they hear this sort of hierarchical language, and, and, and not without cause, I think. You know, mm-hmm. Christians, we can be very defensive, but I think... Yeah, you know, not everybody is a sort of foul-mouthed Bill Maher, you know, ranting about this stuff. I think some people have genuine concerns, and hopefully, of course, that uh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, when she's uh, when, when Congress, uh, when when the Senate conduct their hearings, will be able to explain in a winsome and clear way that there is nothing to be afraid of here; that this mm-hmm. is not a, a disturbing or problematic uh, issue. And with that, Carl, as the hearings proceed, as they go underway, will you be a court watcher? Uh, uh, to the extent I can, yes. I, I, find, I find things so depressing at the moment. Oh. <laughs> but I'll, I'll probably tune in for the highlights yeah. <laughs> or the lowlights. You know that's what? That's very sane. You, ju- you just want to be happy, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yes. 
I do think Christian should pray for her, though. I mean, it's, yeah. this is a horrible process that she's going to have to go through, yeah. unfortunately. Um, we need to pray for, for people in public office today. Amen to that. Carl, uh, talk to us for a second about Grove City. How are things up there? Uh, doing well. We, we're, we're still in class, which is great, halfway through Excellent. the semester. The odds are shortening on making it to Thanksgiving now. So, yeah, looking good. Very oh, good. That's great news. Well, Carl, always a pleasure. Thank you much for joining us. We really appreciate your time here and your expertise. Thanks very much. Good to speak to you. Our pleasure. Uh, Carl joins us every month. He's uh, the Department of Biblical and Religious Studies at Grove City College. He teaches courses on the history of religious thought. Uh, Carl Truman, really, look for him online. He's just really a fascinating person. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie-cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. When does a person get rights? When a person is a person. All across our nation, our nation is divided. In our homes, in social media, everywhere you turn. But what is at the heart of this division? In the new movie, Divided Hearts of America, Super Bowl champion and executive producer Benjamin Watson searches for the truth. This is one of the worst possible choices that any woman and her family has to make. You'll discover why the most polarizing debate of this century boils down to the sacred dignity of human life. There is no personhood under law for fetuses. We don't have that in this country. With Divided Hearts of America, you'll learn what you need to be armed to fight what divides us and come to a place of real unity with empathy, healing, and real hope. Be part of the change and watch Divided Hearts of America. Go to SalemNow.com to purchase. Use promo code ERIC for 20% off. SalemNow.com, promo code ERIC. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Salad bars are gone. Long live the salad bar. 
Oh. Uh, do you remember the first time you went to a salad bar? No, see, because well, I guess salad bars were always there for you. I, I feel like, well, yeah. I mean, I would say my first salad bar was probably at Eaton Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember, I remember the, like, sort of the introduction of the salad bar really? into it's American like culture. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about this. I'm seeing a, an article in the uh, Wall Street Journal. Fans lament the tossing of salad bars. Mm. Now, the, the buffet, I did not know this, was a 1940s Norwegian invention. <laughs> okay. And somehow that morphed into the 1970s introduction of the salad bar mm. to restaurants here in the United States. And I remember the first time I saw one, I, I just couldn't, I mean, literally, I stood there with my mouth agape. I could not believe what I was witnessing. I couldn't you, believe. You, you know what I remember all of a sudden, now that you bring hmm. it up? Remember the salad bar at Pizza Hut? Oh, yes. They had those little, you know, the, you know what I mean? Yes. The little, little containers of like yep, seeds, exactly. little containers of croutons, yes. little raisins, yes. whatever. The sa- I think to me seriously, the salad bar at Pizza Hut, like circa nineteen seventy five seventy six, may have been the first time I saw a salad bar. Yeah, I think and that may have been the first one I saw. Also, along with the red gigantic cups from which Pizza I love those plastic cups. Yep. and I loved like the you know Tiff. I hate to say Tiffany glass because yeah. it's oh, not yeah. really Tiffany, but those. <laughs> right. I thought, look, man, I thought going to Pizza Hut was like. Oh, top you kidding me? I couldn't and, believe it. Oh. Yeah. Because you were snuggled into your own little booth, mm-hmm. right? It was kind of yep. dark. It uh-huh. felt sort of secret, but really adult. Yep. It just, you know, the world was vastly, the potential lay before you. Yes. And the salad bar was at the center of it all. And you could also have soup if you wanted to. And oh macaroni salad if you were lucky. Oh, my gosh. Right? And those little potato, fried oh. potato sticks. You know, it used to be a good salad bar on the north side. There was a, a little bar there on Western Avenue. And they had a salad bar for lunch every day. Okay. Um, I, I'm telling you. So there are many people who, you know, listen to would listen to this conversation and nod their head and raise it three or four different levels, right? Because people have made road trips during COVID to go visit their favorite salad bar only what? to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much do you love? I mean, I, I enjoy a salad bar, but it's not like I would drive anywhere just to go to one. Well, you know, the thing about it is salad bars are deeply sentimental with people. They have these underpinnings of childhood mm, wonder. Okay. Right? I mean, I think that might be a little bit of a stretch. I don't know if we should we no, no. Here's a deal. childhood wonder because the salad bar. Because if you were a kid and you sat down and they were like, would you like to go to the salad bar? Yes. That allowed you to get up from your seat and wander right. around the restaurant because yeah. mm-hmm. you were like on official business. Yeah. Because you were going to go back and get some more whatever. Okay. And the thing is, the salad bar trip was never the same. Mm-hmm. You always kind of mixed it up a little bit, right? The initial push of the overflowing plate, mm-hmm. and then you went plowed through that, and then you went back and you did little side things, little strange stuff, maybe some Jello salad. Okay, here's the question that I bring to you then: hmm. the things that just should never have been a part of the salad bar. Okay, name something. Green Jello with marshmallows. Well, that was a filler. No, nope. you know what? No, no, I didn't no, mind no, that. I did no, not mind no, that at I'm all. Sorry, that's gross, no, and it no, shouldn't be there. Mm-mm. No, no. Look, here's the deal. With the salad bar, it's not like you're going to sit at home on a Saturday night and make yourself green jello with the marshmallow stuff, right? Right. It, it, it was, but it's not, it's not, it, 
it doesn't go with it does. the rest of the elements. Oh, no, it does. No, yeah. I don't think it does In at certain all. households, it goes, no, no, clearly. No, no. I don't think so. Okay, here's another one. Chocolate pudding. Oh, it's that's a fabulous. No, 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 no. What? All of a sudden, that what? That's your- Wait a second. So you're going to the salad bar and the chocolate pudding is your dessert? Why not? Oh. I'd be happy to do that. How about like Ponderosa years later, they added the dessert bar. I mean, because, you know, anything done well, you want to do it twice. So you'd go back and do the dessert bar at, you know, Ponderosa or Sizzler or whatever your favorite steakhouse is. So then, you know, you're going to get ice cream and cake and pie. I I just think it's American genius. Okay. Macaroni salad. Love it. Never should go. I can't Love stand it. it. It's gross. I'd it eat ruins it happily. a whole salad bar. If there's any little jar of it sitting there, I have to disregard the entire experience. You know, though, it is like a massive, like, you know, sort of barrier. I mean, is, there's so much sickness in, in macaroni salad. Oh, Anything, right. No kidding. It's going to sit there for like six hours and like, you know, just get warmer that's why, and that's warmer why and I'm warmer. I'm putting it in my category, things that should never have been included in the salad bar from the start. No, I'm telling you, that little bar on the north side, and the, the, the name escapes me. Uh, if I saw macaroni salad there, I'd be on that in a hot Get minute. out of here. Uh, love it. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word, Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at Radio.com. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Trump has tweeted he'll be leaving Walter Reed Medical Center this evening around 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Mr. Trump will return to the White House. The president tweeted that he felt better than he had in 20 years earlier today. Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany tested positive for the coronavirus. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says he's ordering schools in certain New York City neighborhoods closed within a day to attempt to halt a flare-up of the coronavirus. The restrictions aim mostly at neighborhoods home to the city's large Orthodox Jewish community. Tropical storm Delta has formed and is expected to become a hurricane before hitting Cuba on a path that could eventually reach the U.S. Gulf Coast. Stocks closing broadly higher today. The Dow jumped 465 points. The Nasdaq was up 257. This is SRN News. Our world needs hope like never before. But lives change for the better when hope breaks through. We always like to begin with the Word of God because it is the power unto salvation. Help Cornerstone Television Network light up our city with the truth and hope of the gospel. Alongside special guests Joan Hunter, Mike Smalley, Pat Schatzline, Keenan Bridges, and Real Talk Kim. Watch the Hope Breaks Through partnership broadcast October 12th through 16th at 8 p.m. on Cornerstone Television Network. China is crying out for the word. This is Bible League International. Ying is 12 years of age and lives with parents who reject the gospel. But they wanted a better life for Ying and enrolled her in an English class at a local center. That class was offered by Bible League, and the Bible is used for reading assignments. So after about eight weeks, Ying went home talking about her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This angered her mother, a bitter atheist, but her father, Yinsen, a Buddhist, admired Ying's willingness to face her mother's wrath, and he yearned to know more about this Jesus. Father and daughter joined a house church where hundreds of Christians share only a handful of Mandarin Bibles. But right now, you can give these Christians exactly what they need and crave, and that's a Bible. $5 sends a Bible, $100 sends 20 every gift matched. 
Our campaign is called God's Word to the World. Our goal, 5,000 Bibles. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give at wordfm.com. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, for you, for anybody who's got a busy schedule and wants a good night's sleep. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft, breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors, and Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You'll receive two for one low price plus free shipping. Call now at 1-800-391-0954. Use the promo code WORD or go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code WORD. 1-800-391-0954, promo code WORD. In the 2016 race for president, Donald Trump was not the first choice for many Christian voters. His personal history made it unimaginable that he would defend Christian values as president, or so we thought. In his new book, Forgotten Country, The Christian Case for Trump, Dr. Ralph Reed shows that President Trump has kept his promises and been the most effective presidential defender of religious liberty and the pro-life cause since Reagan. It's required reading in 2020. Forgotten Country, the new book by Ralph Reed, available wherever books are sold. Clear this evening, low 40, mostly sunny tomorrow, high 67, and partly cloudy skies Tuesday evening, low tomorrow night, 52. Wednesday will be sunny to partly cloudy and breezy, with a high of 73. Thursday and Friday, both mostly sunny skies. High Thursday, 63. Friday, 67. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Holly Holdren. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along. You know, I'm sitting here in between the 4 and 5 o'clock hour, and I'm always enjoying a top-of-the-hour snack. What? This is so wrong. Why? What? Why is it wrong? Because you know what I do at the 5 o'clock break, right? What do you do? I go and do push-ups. <laughs> That's and your I bit. come back, and you're saying that you have a snack every day at 5 o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every day. I am, I am doing something wrong. Mike. Every day. I am doing something wrong. Oh You're doing God. push-ups. Yeah. And this is even worse. It's your snack. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Kath Saturday night. She gave me three gigantic bags of blue diamond smokehouse almonds because she can't eat them anymore. Right. Right. Because of her so, kidney stone thing. Right. So here I am enjoying your snacks. So thanks Aren't a lot. Aren't they delicious? Oh, I love them. Oh, oh, my gosh. Smokehouse oh, almonds are like mm-hmm. the bomb. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Well, I'm happy to have provided yeah. that snack for you. Yeah, this is something you would find like in an airport lounge. Okay. Have you ever – no, this, I don't do this. But in the on the rare occasion where I've taken, you know, these long, long international flights and the people you're traveling with say, hey, we have access to the, you know, Braniff – 
club room oh, at right this the, hotel. You want right. to come on back and you can you can take a little nap. Right, you the can have US a little Air snack, Club. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, those road warriors, and believe me, there's no, I would not want to be a road warrior, even in the midst of COVID-19, mm-hmm. for anything. But you know, whenever I say road warrior, I talk about those men and women who spend their lives in airports, in terminals, on the fuse, in the fuselage, all that. Well, an article in the Wall Street Journal is talking about those road warriors. And as all of us miss something about COVID, these brave men and women are chomping at the bit more than anything to get back on the road because mm-hmm. their suitcases are packed and they want to go someplace far flung other than their living room or the garage. What do you think? I mean, wouldn't it be cool to do that? Listen, I had a, it's funny you should bring this up. I had a little breakdown on Saturday morning. Why? Because you were stuck at home. I just, it was like, it was weird. I woke up Saturday morning and instantly I thought I need to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't. I hadn't been thinking about previous trips I'd taken or I hadn't been thinking about how long it had been since I've been in an airplane. Yep. But it was my primary most pressing need really? Saturday morning <laughs> was to pack a bag, get on an airplane and go somewhere. Because it's you- been so, I mean, you know, I travel relatively frequently. I'm certainly not a warrior like these guys. I don't spend my life in an airport, but I really do like to travel. Who do- yeah, sure. And it's not, I don't, I usually don't go more than three months without going somewhere. So what'd you do? Well, I just was lamenting it for oh, most of the day until I saw you. And then, listen, you know, I got to be honest. Your good humor picked me up. This pandemic thing, I'm living my best life now. Really? Uh, don't you I am miss traveling? Vi- I like to travel, but I got to be honest. You've traveled all over the world. You are you no. have no interest in that right now. No, no, no. I, believe me, if somebody called me and said, "Hey, you want to go to Paris? You want to go to Paraguay? You want to go wherever? I don't care. You want to go to Pitcairn? Yeah, <laughs> let's go." <laughs> but to be honest, this thing—I mean, I am really grateful to be working from home and to just be at home. I—I I love it. I'm very content. So you don't have any of these. Wanderlust, early morning wake-ups where you're no oh my gosh i really don't no i really don't like i told you i had that sort of feeling like i need to get out of the house because look i couldn't even drive i'd hurt you know i had that crazy shoulder surgery so i couldn't drive for six weeks well you know where the first place i went to was the south side i mean that's how desperate i was i Mm -hmm. i need to get out so i walked up and down carson street with my kid for you know an hour and bought a souvlaki that was the highlight of my so that's my best life now during the pandemic okay i mean that's a low bar but okay Okay, Mike, what about you? Are you desperate to go anywhere? Yes. He's bought a house. He bought a house. You're not going anywhere. No, I'm I'm definitely desperate to go somewhere. Normally, every August, I'd go to Cedar Point. Mm Mm-hmm. Obviously, that that couldn't happen. No. Um, You missed your trip to the beach this summer. I missed my... Yes. I missed my... Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Sorry. I just... I could think of a couple (laughs) other things to make. Wouldn't that be nice (laughs) to go to the beach, though? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. How, How about if you get in your car right now and just drive until you hit, like, Key Largo? I would love that. Okay, right? so let me Boom. tell you this. So the so it was probably well, now that I now that we're talking about, it, I see that I have a bigger problem than I thought because a couple of weeks ago, I started thinking about this hotel that I'd always wanted to stay in in New Orleans when I'd visited there, mm-hmm. and um, it was it, pretty pricey, and it just never worked out that I could stay there. Anyway, I started thinking about it, and I went online and looked at it, and their prices are like. 100 bucks a night. Of course they are. 110 bucks a night, right? And I thought, darn it. 
my husband, we're getting on a plane and we're going to New Orleans. And then I thought, no, you're well, no, not. that's ridiculous. No, you can't no. do that. But I listen. But what's New Orleans? What's, what's it like? I was close to making a reservation. You know how cheap the airfare would be. Yeah, but you're going to get there, and it's going to be it's going to be like a ghost town. Listen, last and, week, and, last week yeah. I found I saw a uh, a round trip flight, a hundred dollars round trip to Miami. Oh my what? gosh, to Miami. So, <gasps> like in regular times, I would jump on that in a heartbeat. Oh my right? gosh. Heck but I'm yeah. not going to sit in a tube with other people. Okay, you know. but here's the thing. Nope. I've read several articles about how safe it is, COVID-wise, to be on an airplane. Really? It has something to do with the way that the air is circulated. It's one of the safest places you can be. Not one person has gotten COVID on an airplane. Really? We yeah. need to take a trip. No, I mean, no. Doesn't does no. make you want to go somewhere? Heck yeah. Okay, but if, you got, but if you got to Miami, would there be any place to go? Probably not. The <laughs> That's beach. The problem. You can go to the beach. Is that it? Right. You I'm happy to go to the beach. Go golfing? I don't want to go golfing. No. I mean, what if I went to New Orleans, I could get beignets. I mean, that's not that What's you know, you when you eat at Cafe du Monde, you're outside anyway. I could do that, right? Yeah, no. No, see, ultimately it'll be disappointing. It will be. It'll be a well, big listen. build up and then you kind of go, Oh no, I'm stuck with everybody else. No. But we you could walk around. New Orleans is very temperate this time of year. It's quite I'm, nice, pretty humid, but well, I mean, you can dream if you'd like, but it's not going to happen. You know that. First of all, I need you here, so don't be going anywhere. All right. All right. Thank you. Let us take a break. Come back. Marilyn McIntyre is with us. Shut me down. I'm sorry. We got much more ahead. Five o'clock hour of the ride home here on Word FM. I'm going on vacation. You stay there, too. Word FM. Next time on Orchard Hill Today. Over the history of the existence of the people of faith, there have been very serious, weighty issues that the people of faith have pushed back on and said, this is wrong. And the world has changed because of it. This week, Joel Haldeman, campus pastor of Orchard Hill Church in the Strip District, looks at the gospel account of the book of John in a series following Jesus. Be sure to join us weekday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Orchard Hill Today on 101.5 Word FM. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm Kathy Emmons. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in network. Isn't it time for a change? Stop the insanity. Call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30 percent. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. Or go to MarleyFG.com. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. 
We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call, and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring, but one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. Hi, this is Joe Belanti with J&D Waterproofing at 1-800-BERRY-DRY. In honor of our 81 years serving the tri-state area, we are offering great savings for all our new and past customers. Call 1-800-BERRY-DRY. That's 1-800-BERRY-DRY to get your savings on basement waterproofing, bowing or cracking walls, and or footer stabilization projects. Or visit us at jdwaterproofing.com. J&D Waterproofing, family owned and operated since 1939. being a kid and having a, and a question about something that was mechanical, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a boy, you kind of look under the hood or, you know, you look at it and I always, I'd go to my dad and my dad could break something down that was like, you know, how does a turbine work? And, you know, in two minutes, I, I felt pretty confident that he told me something that, you know, that I didn't know. And it was pretty broken down easily. Somebody who can take really complex things whether they're, you know, historical notions or philosophical things or whatnot, complex issues and distill them down to basic truths. That is a really incredible skill set. We need people like that in these very weird times. Well, Marilyn McIntyre is with us. She's an award-winning author of books on language and faith, including Make a List, What's in a Phrase, Pausing Where Scripture Gives You Pause, and uh, Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies. Her latest is called Speaking Peace in a Climate of Conflict. And Marilyn, welcome back to the show. You are one of those people who I believe you you take complex things and and break them down in a more simpler way for us. That's why we love having you here with us. Thank you. Well, it's nice to be back. Mm -hmm. Marilyn, you know how much I love Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies. I think that was... I think that might have been the first book of yours that I read, uh, really changed my perspective on how important it is to guard carefully what we say, um, even the words that we use inside our heads to describe things mm-hmm. um, and to just um, conserve words wherever we can. Uh, that is something that is in short supply in today's America. Yes, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah. Yeah, so I've lived with this idea of stewardship of language for a long time, talking with students about it, and of course teaching in an English department. But but in the last decade of political life and public life, I have felt as though the, the character of public discourse has continued to become more confusing. And we really need people who are good translators, as you were yeah, speaking Yes, so about. what would a translator need to have to be able to function well? And what two parties are they trying to link? Or should they be trying to link? Yeah, well, I think that people often think of translation as moving from one language to another. But I think anytime you get someone with an area of expertise that they've spent years working on or working in, then they're going to probably have a vocabulary and a way of 
speaking and thinking about it that's not accessible to the rest of us. And so it seems as though part of the, in a spirit of generosity, part of our vocation as people of faith who really want to build beloved community is to be able to teach one another without dumbing down and without condescension. And in order to do that, I think you really have to ask yourself, about what you want to speak about, what's at the heart of this? If I just had a sentence or two to say, here's the really important thing. If you don't, um, if you don't get anything else, get this about it. And then work out from that center instead of starting at the top and going through a long list of particulars that are going to lose people. Hmm. And so I think hmm. the real discipline is to say, what's really at the heart of what I want people to understand? Now, we find it particularly difficult, I think, to communicate across ideological lines. And of course, that's we think right. of po- yeah, we think of politics as that's probably the first one that pops into people's heads, but it's not just politics. Mm-hmm. People from different yeah. denominations have a hard time communicating. People who have different viewpoints right. on uh, the end times, people who have different viewpoints on origins or sexuality or, mm-hmm. or sexuality or mm-hmm. different viewpoints on the role of women in the church. I mean, whatever. We're just not mm-hmm. good at communicating with people uh, with whom we disagree. Right. And so I think there are some kind of not just language tricks, but some language habits that will help to keep that space open and hospitable for people Mm, who are trying to understand one another. If we think of ourselves as creating a hospitable space with our words, then one of the things we can do is begin with my, you know, really own what we have to say. say, My primary concern is this, and I'm wondering what your primary concern is. But I think asking about things like, what is the primary concern? What's really at the heart of what you feel you'd like to understand? Or here's what I'd really like to understand. But naming it and trying to get past all the buzzwords and saying, well, really, what is this about? Um, I'm giving an example I would give you is, I have a friend who teaches economics. He's an economist. I find economics, um, like I'm in foreign territory. Mm-hmm. I can understand it when I read it, but I sure can't explain it. Right. And I, I, when people say a healthy economy, I just always think, what exactly do you mean? And I asked him one time what he would say to the very beginning course in economics. And he said, I would begin, he's Norwegian, he said, I would begin <laughs> with um, the fact that when we talk about an economy, we're talking about how money moves around. And I thought, wow, there's a sentence I can hang on to. So we're Mm. looking at how money moves around. Who has it? Who gets it? How do they get it? Where do we put it? But just coming down to some really um, non-threatening questions with no jargon in them was such a sort of cheerful and generous way of introducing me. I've also spent a lot of time hanging around medical people. Right. And I have taught medical humanities for a long time, but I don't have an MD and I don't speak a lot of the language that they have to learn in medical school and beyond. Um, but I remember one time in a, cor- a writing course for pre-med students, I said, take a concept that you learned in biochemistry, for instance, it's difficult. And imagine you have to explain it to a patient who has to make a decision. And 
she's she's afraid. Okay, take her fear into account. What do you need to tell her the night before a procedure or as you give her a set of drugs to take? Um, so that was a writing assignment, and they all they had to come up with an analogy. And and you know, I think it's just a good challenge to set all of ourselves. How would you explain this to an intelligent ten year old, twelve year old? Which again is not to condescend to other people, but if you had to make this perfectly clear to someone who really doesn't have the equipment to enter into your field of expertise, what are the three things you'd tell them? Or what are the five things you'd tell them? Peeling it down to lists is sometimes really helpful. That's good. But honestly, there needs to be between the people in that space an, a real desire to know. So I think those conversations have to start with, what are my deepest concerns here? Why am I here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm listening. What am I listening for? Yeah. And Marilyn, there's something to be said about, you know, and maybe some people would use this as a slight. Other people would, you know, honor this. But, you know, we used to call it plain spokenness. Someone who just, you know, is, and and it's not simple. What you're describing is something that's very complex to do, but some people are Mm -hmm. born with that ability to just to be plain spoken. Right. Right. I think of wonderful writers that are out there now, especially science writers. I so appreciate people who can take difficult scientific concepts like climate change or talking about the coronavirus or any of these things that we're facing and say, here's what's going on, mm-hmm. and give you illustrations so that it equips the rest of us to <clears throat> make basic decisions as voters or consumers that we need to. We need that right. education, and we sure need people who are w- willing to put it in plain spoken language. Yes. Uh, years ago, there was a, a law case or a case that involved people of faith here in the city of Pittsburgh. And a friend of ours was, you know, sort of a, in many ways the spokesperson for that. And it didn't go well. And what didn't go well is that instead of him being plain spoken, he chose instead to speak like a lawyer. And right. he did a lot of damage to the community by, you know, it was almost as though mm-hmm. he was evasive and trying to cover himself with language that was not um, not nature to him. And so mm-hmm. people got angry about that as though he was, you know, sort of hiding something behind uh, language that was just fussy or obscure. And it didn't go down to the heart of the matter and address those who were affected deeply by what had happened. Uh, so you can right. do yourself a lot of damage by not being plain spoken. That's right. And I, I don't think that that means that there isn't a need for very precise, technical, professional language, but there are places to use that, and it's among your other professionals. But I think that to say, okay, now I'm speaking with people who, are, who don't speak that language, um, and they need something I have to offer, mm-hmm. how can I make it accessible to them? That requires a certain humility, too. It means you really have to shed all that professional layer that says, I'm more educated than you, or you know, I know more than you. We all know that the experts know more than we do. Right. But the ones I really admire are the ones that don't need to establish that. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. What they really want to do is share with us. Right. And I think those verbs like share are important ones. I want to share something with you. Not, I want to, yeah. you know, tell you how it is. 
<laughs> yeah, when you were talking, it made me think of um, Philippians where it talks about Jesus saying he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. I've always oh, loved that. I love yeah. that phrase. And it, it has evoked so many uh, images in my head over the years. Equality with God, right. something to be grasped. So, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, we use language as a weapon, right? We, mm-hmm. we tend to keep people out. You mentioned the um, working in a medical environment, which I did for uh, my, my first decade of work. And I also mm-hmm. didn't come from a medical background. And it was amazing how out of a conversation you can instantly be once the yeah. medical vocabulary takes over. And even though you have a job to do, you can't even access any of what's happening to figure out how to do your task. I mean, language can right. really and, – and I agree with you. It's absolutely necessary for what they're doing. But when you're trying to <clears throat> communicate people who are inside and outside, vocabulary mm-hmm. can either be the wall or the gate. That's such a good way to put it. Right. And we want to be – gates. Well, I also think of Jesus telling parables, you know, one of the best ways to be plain spoken when people have questions is to say, let me tell you a little story. And keeping the stories at hand that will open people's imaginations and hearts when we're talking about difficult things, that's really important. Hmm. We all need a collection of stories. There's sort of a tradition, right, in Hasidic Jewish um, culture where the rabbi, somebody asks the rabbi a question and he starts, let me tell you a little story. You know, and that's always the answer to the question. I love that. And that's basically what Jesus did. He didn't come in with systematic theology that came later. (laughs) It was in the form of a story, yeah. Marilyn McIntyre is with us. She's an award-winning author of books on language and faith. Marilyn, um, I grew up uh, Roman Catholic. But every mm-hmm. night and every night at dinner, we prayed together before there was a meal. But it was always a rote prayer, and it was short. Mm-hmm. But um, one of my sisters—I've got five sisters. One of my sisters married um, a PK, and, uh, uh-huh. I, and the first time he came to our house, I don't know how it happened, but someone said, "Well, would you like to pray for, before dinner?" And of course, mm-hmm. I was expecting him to just you know recite this rote prayer that I had grown up with, you know, since I was a little boy. And he proceeded right. to pray, and he prayed from the heart. And it was the first yeah. time, Marilyn, that I had ever heard, mm-hmm. let alone having someone sit next to me, pray. Mm-hmm. And it was, of course, yeah. simple and beautiful and from the heart. And it was mm-hmm. as though someone had taken you know, the scales off my eyes. I could not believe what I was hearing. It shocked me and humbled me. And I just absolutely fell in love with people who could pray well. And there was just something that was simple and beautiful about it. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. Mm -hmm. And I would say from the other end, I grew up in essentially a Baptist household and we did a lot of open-hearted, spontaneous prayer, which I'm so grateful for. And as an adult, I've really come to appreciate the beauty of liturgical prayer yeah. as something that yeah. we can grow into as a community. <laughs> so those two complement each other, but certainly in intimate situations, speaking from the heart is where it needs to start. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how we're, 
you're you're the not the first person who said that that wherever you start when it comes to prayer whether you start as liturgical like John and you hear someone spraying praying spontaneously it's such a shock and such an eye opener and then yes. you and I who grew up in churches Maryland where you know everybody did that you know the first time uh-huh. I read the valley of vision by you know the puritan prayers i thought oh my goodness this is this is like (laughs) they were it was literature you know i mean they they must have spent months writing this i mean and that was a real eye-opener yeah or the book of common prayer i mean what a Mm -hmm. treasure in english language yes yeah so we all need translators marilyn do we not that's good we do we need to be them and we need them That's Dr. Marilyn McIntyre, award-winning author of books on language and faith, including What's in a Phrase, Pausing Where Scripture Gives You Pause, which is the winner of a Christianity Today 2015 book on spirituality. Her latest is called Speaking Peace in a Climate of Conflict. Thanks, Marilyn. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Pastors and ministry leaders. Alistair Begg is speaking this Thursday at our virtual Pastors Appreciation event, free online. What is needed is good news to be proclaimed fearlessly and faithfully in a collapsing culture. Alistair will be joined by Paul Cannings and music from For King and Country. The virtual Pastors Appreciation event, free online this Thursday. For details and to register, click the banner at wordfm.com. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. If you're a believer in Jesus, then you know the power of what community is all about. There is something about everyone moving in the same direction, or at least trying to move in the same direction. The goal is always grace and forgiveness and peace in Jesus Christ. Now, when you look at the pandemic across America, and especially in the recent higher education rise of pandemic cases— you know things are off the charts. Well, look, at Grove City College, because people are moving in the same direction, and I'm not saying this is going to last forever, but right now, the pandemic is very low-key at Grove City College because I believe the power of community and that nature that everyone is together. That's why we're thrilled, Kath and I, that both our kids attend Grove City College right now. Yeah, you're right, John, because things can change at any time. We've seen this, right, story after story over the last six months. But I join with you in saying that I'm confident that at least there is a concerted effort of people trying. There's an administration that is really behind a consistent, solid plan, and they're being really good about following through. I mean, there's not much more we can do in times like this other than have a plan and try to stick to it, and they are. Right. And the students get the message and they're working it too. Excellence in action. Look online at Grove City College, gcc.edu. That's Grove City. 
Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com. In the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Clear this evening, low 40, mostly sunny tomorrow, high 67, and partly cloudy skies Tuesday evening, low tomorrow night, 52. Wednesday will be sunny to partly cloudy and breezy with a high of 73. Thursday and Friday, both mostly sunny skies. High Thursday, 63. Friday, 67. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Holly Holdren. On a recent afternoon, thousands of noncombatants watched from the sidelines as the general ordered his troops across the battlefield and became locked in a fierce duel with the enemy. At one point, the general berated himself for a tactical misstep that could have cost his side the high-stakes conflicts. Then he smiled and began to outmaneuver his foe. I can't lose, says Hikiru Nakamura, 32, to the exemplant, to the exultant onlookers. Victory seemed close as members of the opposing army were vanquished. And then I win again, he says, There you go, guys. Wild. So uh, what I'm talking about here is a live stream of a chess game. Now, here we are in the pandemic and people are, you know, they're live streaming video games. But you think about people live streaming chess games. uh, Listen to this. Between March and September of this year, people watched 50 million hours of chess on something called Twitch. What? Four times as many hours as in the previous six months, according to the analytic website, Sully Gnome. In June, an amateur chess tournament called PogChamps was briefly the top-viewed stream on Twitch with 700,000 people watching at once. What? 700? Wait, is that right? 700,000 people watching at once? Yeah, yeah. (gasps) So this this uh, chess champion I'm talking to you about, um, uh, another guy, Felix Legu, better known to his 3.3 million followers as XQCOW, they have made millions streaming and playing chess. Since COVID started. Yeah. Now, what is it? It's become an obsession for people. Oh, I, see, I, I find this weird, but I know it's, uh, this is not my generation. I watch my kids play video games and it's mildly interesting because, you know, they're my kids for about 15 minutes. And then I go, meh, but that's a gigantic streaming Mm -hmm. portal around the world. Millions of people watch. So why would millions of people watch chess? I guess. I mean, Mike, do you watch, do you play chess or watch? Would you watch chess? No, no. I would play it. I, it, yeah, I, I like the game. I like to play, but I cannot watch I could not watch chess. It's way too boring for me to watch it. Well, you remember whenever, I mean, remember when there was like, you know, Boris Spassky, right, in the World Chess Championships? No. This was back like in the 80s and the 90s. Those were televised. And of course, every day after the fact, every move was listed in the newspaper. Right. And so you could follow along yeah, with see, the game. I guess it had the reason that I'm not going to watch a chess match is because I don't really understand the game. I mean, I know how to play chess. You know how to play but chess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, like, right, I, right, I know what each piece does, and I've played a lot of chess, but I don't understand no, no. the game. I mean, you know, the, chess is fascinating, especially because of the psychological torture and the superstars. That fo- Look at Bobby Fischer. 
Right. I mean, Bobby Fischer essentially lost his mind and mm-hmm. he was a chess genius extraordinaire. So I think, you know, what draws me to chess is kind of what draws me to, to bicycling in a way, the huge personalities who undertake the rigors of something that is well beyond me, psychologically, uh, physically. I just think it's fascinating. Okay, so you're saying you would watch chess? Well, you know what? I have not to this point, but now I read this piece in the Times. Uh, yeah, I'm interested in watching a chess Mike, stream. John's going to start watching chess. <laughs> I just think it's... I would rather right? watch Olympic badminton. Which, well, by the way, is too. really cool. It is, and yeah, it is. fun to watch. Fast, yeah. Very fast. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah badminton's cool. Anyway. John, you continue to surprise. All right. Hey, let's take a break. Come back. Uh, we got a story. I mean, the, the, our next guest, holy smokes, Dale Hogan. One bad hop changes a person's life forever and brings that person to Christ. Dale Hogan tells a story. 101.5 Word FM, WORD. Can a teenager change the world? Pastor Greg Laurie says it's possible, and it happened. This week on A New Beginning, as Pastor Greg continues his series called World Changers, we'll study the life of Joseph, a young man whose integrity saved his life, his family's life, and a whole nation. Tune in this week for A New Beginning. A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, weekday mornings at 1030 on WORD. Hey, pastors, how are you reaching your community? Here's John MacArthur from Grace to You. I don't need to recreate the truth. I don't need to innovate anything. I need to follow the example of those who have gone before and have been profoundly blessed by God. Pastor, don't miss encouragement like that from John MacArthur. Join us for a series of virtual pastor appreciation events. You'll also hear from Alan Jackson of World Outreach Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, speaking about the pandemic. Christ in you enables you to be more than a conqueror. We're going to face challenges and difficulties. We're going to come through this season. We'll do better than that. We will flourish. The Virtual Pastors Appreciation Event. Five different 90-minute sessions free each Thursday in October with 10 speakers and musical guests. Be encouraged, equipped, and edified. Presented by Trinity Jewelers. Sponsored in part by RPTS and Geneva College. Register now at wordfm.com. I did something weird the other day. I added some extra cream to my Fufu iced coffee, but I didn't have a stir stick. So without thinking, I grabbed my car key and used the key to stir in the cream, creating the perfect mix. Unfortunately, my wife was watching the whole thing with a what-is-wrong-with-you look. Hey, it's Ryan. And the reality is, I believe our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is the perfect mix as well. We're a smaller team, only a couple dozen people, and many of us are family. And that small helps us to be carefully committed and know every Word FM listener that calls. But our small team is also lucky to be connected to a bigger company that is a direct lender. Meaning, our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. An advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate and save you money. We our United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money you'd have to pay before closing. Nice. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. 
To serve as a ruling elder is a high and holy office. RPTS now offers five flexible online courses to help you shepherd the Church of God. The Ruling Elders Program features courses on biblical counseling, interpretation, worship, the church, care and administration, plus preaching at elective options that best fit your ministry paradigm. No papers, no exams. Just solid biblical teaching from experienced pastor professors. Individual and group rates available. RPTS. Study under pastors. Learn more at rpts.edu. I don't know about you, but I love to hear a person's story of how they came to Christ. It's always fascinating. It's never the same. Some people just kind of, you know, wade into it or born into it. Other people have cataclysmic moments. There's always something quirky about it. You know, always something fascinating. Of course, always something beautiful. Our next guest, Dale Hogan, his story may encompass all those different aspects. Dale just graduated from Duquesne University not that long ago. He's a student leader with the CCO, the Coalition for Christian Outreach, and he's with us right now. Dale Hogan, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am well, thank you. How about yourself? Oh, it's great to hear from you, Dale. And I know you've been patient. We've had all sorts of other demands on our broadcast time, and we're so glad that you were able to be here today. Let's go back. Tell us about March 20th, 2011. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here today, too. So, uh, March 20th, I, at that point, I hadn't been going to church at all in my life. I was ready to go to baseball tryouts. I'd been training as hard as I ever had um, up to this point for the season. Uh, this was during my sophomore year of high school. Okay. And there was essentially a, uh, a free bounce from a baseball that hit me in the left temple and I just kept playing. I didn't think much of it until the pain just kept getting worse and worse. So I went, I went to the local hospital where they, uh, right there in my memory blacks out for about a month. What? And they, they apparently flew me down to another more advanced hospital where they did emergency surgery to save my life. Really? So in a matter of a short while, there you are on the, on the playing field, you're fielding ground balls, and then all of a sudden you're under the doctor's knife and you're having brain surgery. I mean, Dale, what's that like to black out essentially for a month and then wake up a month later and, you know, people are standing around your bed? What, do you have a first memory of what it was like? It, it, it's hard to pick a first memory. It all kind of comes back gradually. Mm-hmm. But I, I I do remember being in complete disbelief. I uh, this either had to be a really bad dream because I remembered I remember the baseball field. I remember being at tryouts, and um, all of a sudden I was in this hospital and I didn't know how I got there. It either had to be a bad dream or I I thought my life was over. Wow. So, Dale, what had happened? Um, what occurred in your skull when the baseball hit your temple? Yeah. It apparently broke my skull, which that broken piece cut into an artery and started to bleed inside my head. And the reason that's so dangerous is the blood has nowhere to go. So mm. it, it was just compressing my brain inside my skull. Um, yeah, that why the headache kept getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, eventually my brain just shut down. So surgery was performed. You've told us that. 
Then what about uh, down the road, the rehab, uh, sophomore in high school? At, at what point, you know, Dale, did you start to do therapy? And then how did you start to feel like yourself? How long did that take? What was that road like? Yeah, it it was a long one. My the, that first month or so, um, my my family fills me in on a lot of it. I'm grateful that I don't remember that very initial uh, period, but um, that initial month was tough. I was really, really losing hope. I, that's that's the lowest I've ever been. Um, I just kept waking up. My left side was paralyzed. I couldn't eat um, for a while there. I couldn't even talk. And yeah, it, that's the lowest point that I have been. Um, that was the first month. The around Easter time of that year, which was after about a month of being in the hospital, um, I that's when Christ brought me to Him. That's when I came to know the Lord um, through prayer, that? and basically from there, my recovery skyrocketed. Overall, in whole, my recovery was about six months: two months of inpatient in the hospital, followed by four months of returning to the hospital. Um, just day to day to do my physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Right. Okay. Wait. So, Dale, go back. So, clarify that for mm-hmm. people who are listening right now, and you know, uh, pushing a button on the radio, and they hear they hear someone say, "Christ brought me to Himself." I mean, what does that look like? You know, where were you? What did you do? What happened? Yeah. So, like I said, my entire life, I. I did not know Jesus. I did not go to church. Um, I wasn't even sure if there was a God. And I just kept waking up in this hopeless state. This, I was essentially at the end of my rope. And at that point, I looked around my room. I, my parents were always reading these cards that my friends and family were nice enough to send. And uh so many of the cards said, Hey Dale, I'm praying for you, mm-hmm. praying for you to get better. And although I had no idea if there was a God, no idea what he was like, if he was there, I sat there and went, I, I've got nothing else. I got to try praying. So I started trying and each day, days would go by when I, just kept waking up the same. Um, I just kept praying because that was my last chance. And around Easter weekend of that year, I don't remember a specific moment, but people around me, my friends, family, hospital staff, attested something lighting up inside me. And uh, I had basically been woken up out of this nightmare that I thought I was in, been resurrected. And at that point, that little spark of hope grew into grew into a bigger flame and I just kept I put more effort in my therapy and my recovery basically went zero to sixty. And after a month of being in the hospital, a month of being bedridden, I walked myself out of the hospital a month later, all by wow. the grace of God. He he really in praying to him, he gave me what I needed and um he just continued to grow that. And I, uh, I don't, 
so initially like when I first started walking um, with each step <laughs> I'm getting a little choked up right now thinking about it with each step out of my mouth came thank you Jesus thank you Jesus it getting to getting to walk after losing hope essentially it just really showed me his power Del Hogan is with us a recent Duquesne grad now a student leader with the CCO we're talking about what happened to him in a baseball game back in 2011 um, Dale so you're, you're telling your story so beautifully and um, you know I, I I know what you mean about having moments in your life when you say thank you Jesus for just one you know whatever that next step mm-hmm. is I think you know there are probably tens of thousands of people listening right now who are nodding saying yeah I remember when I went through something like that um, mm-hmm. But for you, it was incredibly physical. I mean, you being an athlete and then going into a period where you couldn't walk, um, that must have been such a shock. It's it's like uh, that's the least it could be is a shock to your system mentally. Absolutely. Yeah, that was part of of it that was this has to be a nightmare because I was used to performing at a certain level. And then all of a sudden I wind up in this hospital bed no idea how I got there. Like, when am I going to wake up out of this? Okay, so talk about the intervening years. So it's been nine years since that happened. Um, mm-hmm. What What's it been like? Yeah, I. So, like I've said, that's the hardest thing I've had to go through um, ever since then, and how God worked through that experience it's given me so much direction in life. It's, it's brought me from a spiritual death to a spiritual life. It, uh, yeah, I came to know Christ. I've been involved with the church. Um, it put me on track to pursue physical therapy as a career. And I'm getting to do that. I'm getting to do that right now. Um, again, by his grace, Wonderful. I got to, I got to go through college. I, I I got to earn my doctorate of physical therapy, which um, I don't know. That is so so flooring in and of itself. Being <laughs> yeah, basically sitting on death's doorstep. Honestly, by by medical understanding, I should not be alive right now. Yeah. But God had a different idea, and now I get to practice physical therapy and get to be involved with this church and be in community in that way. That's good. What about the community of your family? I mean, not growing up in a home that, you know, were uh, prayers or churchgoers. What's your example done for your immediate family? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's been a really beautiful thing. It, my immediate family has been, they've gotten involved. So originally I'm from Delaware. Uh, well, close to Delaware anyway, the very southeastern corner of Pennsylvania. And um, they've gotten involved in their uh, church community back there. Um, the Lord introduced me to this church um, through some friends back in high school. And it, it's really neat seeing my parents get involved with it and continue to go there and get involved with small groups and stuff back there. It's, 
the Lord has worked. Yeah, he's definitely worked in my immediate family through this experience as well. Wow. Dill, I'm going to ask you to answer this in 30 seconds because our time is really short. Um, But just Mm -hmm. talk about campus ministry for a minute, the importance of it, the change that it makes in the lives of college students. Absolutely. So I was part of the CCO group on Duquesne's campus, and through that group, I the Lord gave me so much guidance through that group. He That was where I did my first Bible study, um, met my closest friends right now, uh, met my now fiance, and through that group, I was able to get involved in the local church as well. I've been a part of this church community now for about seven years, and I honestly have no idea where I would be right now if not for uh, the ministry on campus. Fabulous. Well, Dale, it's great to hear your story. Uh, Thanks for your transparency and for your humility and to share that with us. I mean, we love to hear that journey. So it's a beautiful thing, and we really appreciate your time here with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. Dale Hogan, he joins us from the CCO, the Coalition for Christian Outreach. Dale Hogan. Hi, everybody. It's me, Marsha, from the Spring House. Isn't this a fabulous time of year, especially on our dairy farm in Washington County, PA? The pumpkins are turning, the corn is waving in the wind, and the hog quarters are on the pit every Sunday through the end of October. That's right. It's time for our annual 4-H hog roast. Mom bought a bunch of 4-H hogs that we will be roasting over the open pit outside all morning long. Alongside that tender, tasty, charred pork, we'll be serving pork and kraut, barbecued pork, hand-peeled mashed potatoes with pork drippings gravy, sage stuffing, baked beans, homemade applesauce, and all kinds of family recipe fall veggies and casseroles. We'll even have live music by local musicians. To keep the crowd spread out and everybody healthy this year, we have two jumbo tents set up outside too. And the pumpkin patch hay rides will run 11 to 5 all weekend. Good old-fashioned fall fun and feasting on the farm. Come join us, springhousemarket.com. My name is Bernadette, and I am a parishioner at St. Joseph's on the Brandywine. Joe Biden has been part of our parish for more than 40 years. Our sons became friends when they were in first grade, and ever since, I've known Joe and the entire Biden family. Even now, when Joe's back home, we see him at Mass on Sunday. You can tell how important Joe's faith is to him. It's what motivates everything. Joe's beliefs, his values, the kind of president Joe would be. Joe Biden knows what it means to be your brother's keeper, to care for those around you and lift up those who are suffering. Their values Joe learned from his mom and dad and from the nuns who taught Joe his Catholic faith. That's Joe Biden, a man guided by faith. I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Biden for president. Hey, this is Owen Strand with a quick word on the upcoming election. So much of what we care about is at stake. Religious liberty, all of our First Amendment freedoms, the cause of life and reliable judges, rule of law, even civil order. Make sure you're registered and prepared to vote, whether at the polling place or by absentee ballot. Our nation is at a crossroads, and every vote counts. Don't sit this election out. Invisible Fence Brand's team of experts have helped over 3 million pets learn their boundaries. Let your four-legged family members enjoy their yard. Visit InvisibleFence.com to schedule your free consultation and get 50% off your installation. InvisibleFence.com. That's InvisibleFence.com. 
Hi, this is Robert Jeffress, pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas and Bible teacher on Pathway to Victory. Let me encourage you to be in prayer about the upcoming election. Then make sure you prepare. Educate yourself on the agendas of the two parties and make sure you're registered. Finally, make your plan to vote, whether at the voting booth, by absentee, or vote by mail. Your voice is your vote. Your voice needs to be heard on November 3rd. Japan Airlines said it will retire the phrase, ladies and gentlemen, from in-flight announcements made in English, a step towards inclusivity in a country where activists have long fought to change entrenched gender traditions. Now, I'm reading from the New York Times. Wait a minute. What are we, what are we exchanging ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen for? We are exchanging them now for all passengers or everyone to avoid gender-specific phrases altogether. Um, the London Underground, since 2017, has been saying, hello, everyone, and so the Japanese will follow suit. Great. So the, so the Japanese want to be like the English. I I'm guess. sure that's not a popular sentiment in that country. Ladies and gentlemen. Look, I just ladies and gentlemen sounds nicer than, hey, guys. Hey, Jens. Hey, Jensers. Hello, everybody. Oh, we lost our minds. Hey, now. Hi, you. Hey. I don't know. Love y'all. Love it. Ladies and gentlemen, good night to you. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.